You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. And welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Um, we had kind of an uh, unusual week at Strong Towns last week. Uh, Chuck, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, we had a very normal week. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> we hope it's the new normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, obviously I've been here a long time. Uh, I remember back in the early days uh, when I would write and, you know, it, it, our our content would be read by 20, 25 people in a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was I, I thought that was cool. I mean, I, I was writing mostly for myself and a handful of, of friends that I wanted to read my stuff. And I was really just trying to think through things. So we would have these days where we would get spikes of like 70 or 80 people. And I thought, this is incredible. There's, there's 80 people reading uh, this, uh, my stuff right now. This is bizarre. Like I never thought this would happen. Um, the very first like spike we had, uh, someone picked up my confessions of a recovering engineer story and then like grist rewrote it and, and ran it. And it, 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 it showed up in a few places and, all of a sudden in one day, like our traffic went to like 500 or 800 people reading it. And I remember this mm-hmm. just like massive increase going, oh my gosh, what, what just happened? This is insane. And the cool thing about it was that when the surge was over, it kind of, you know, the new normal was not back to 25. It was like 75 or 100. You know, it it, it basically like surged and then went back down, but but not to the low level that it was before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, many years at this, this kind of new normal and then another surge and another surge. And we've had them over the years. And the interesting thing is that the surges get bigger and bigger and, and bigger. Um, last week, and we, we've been running some, you know, the, the podcast has been kind of light. But if you've been missing us, you should really check out the site because we've been running some pretty heavy uh, stuff some pretty, you know, well-edited, uh, tight, uh, kind of things. And uh, basically we had another surge last week and just an insane, um, we had more traffic in two days last week than we had all of December. And, um, it, it was, it was pretty crazy and fun, you know, I mean, lots of new people learning about us, uh, lots of people talking about us in different places, uh, lots of conversations that I was engaged in seemed like all day and, and late into the evening. So yeah, it was, um, it and was fun joining our, our Slack group and our email list and wanting to stay involved. So that's promising. That is. And you know, I, uh, traffic is still, you know, quite high this week. I'm looking at it right now. Um, you know, we're ab- above normals. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I would uh, expect that, you know, we're, we're not going to go back to kind of what the normal was the last few months. It'll be a little bit higher than that. But yeah, these, these surges are fun. It's fun to watch new people discover us and become excited about the message and, and start sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the main piece that got all those shares was called The Real Reason Your City Has No Money. 
Um, but then you also wrote an article called Poor Neighborhoods Make the Best Investments, which I think also uh, got a lot of, of reads and attention last week, too. And they the, were kind of connected articles. I've looked back at the, the times I've written about Lafayette, Louisiana, and the work that Joe Minicosi and Josh McCarty from, from Urban 3 uh, did there with me over the last couple of years. And I, I've, I've realized that it, the, the stuff I've written, I've written in the moment – and it maybe has not had like the clarity and force that it should. I know in the curbside chat, when I talk about this example, I have this, you know, it, it comes towards the end of the conversation. So I've had this huge setup where people really, uh, I think, buy into the notion that the stuff I'm showing them rhymes with their city quite closely. I mean, people can see their own places in the story that I'm telling. And then I get to Lafayette and I show them, you know, like another example and it, it's a very powerful part of the story. And I've realized that, you know, in the narrative on the site, I, I've never written it up in that kind of a way. Mm-hmm. And so I did. Yeah, I took two days and uh, I, I wrote kind of a, a part one and a part two. Part one being like, here's actually why your city is, is broke. Uh, you've got way too much stuff in the ground and it doesn't create enough wealth. And, you know, because of that, cities get desperate and, Instead of giving people raises, they promise them future pensions. And in, instead of, uh, you know, taking care of stuff, they put off critical maintenance. And in, instead of, you know, making good investments, they borrow more money. You know, all this starts to rhyme. Like, it makes sense. And then follow up with that. Show them. Like, look at the neighborhoods that actually are building wealth. Look at the neighborhoods that actually are financially solvent. They're mm-hmm. the poor neighborhoods. They're the neighborhoods that were built a long time ago. They were built with different principles and different ideas than what we use today. And even though they're run down and even though they're, they're kind of decrepit and they're, they need a little bit of love, they still outperform everything else. They're still doing fantastic. So if you want to make good investments in your city, go to those neighborhoods and just make them a little bit nicer. It's really not that hard. But yeah, it's kind of uh, – I think the way uh, uh, you know, time allows you to kind of think about these things – um, maybe helps to frame it in a, in a better way. Yeah. And we kind of talked internally about why we think those articles were so popular last week. And I think, um, part of it is that you gave a really concrete example. And even though probably most people reading it didn't live in Lafayette, it was still something that they could really connect with and obviously has huge applicability, um, all over the country. Yeah, you know, with with Lafayette, I've I've always tried to uh, put forth the notion that this is not like a weird place. You know, if if you were to change like the trees and the temperature, (laughs) you know, and some of the things that make it like uniquely Cajun, uniquely Louisiana, uh, Mm -hmm. you could plop Lafayette into Minnesota and it would be, you know, like very it it would look and feel very much like a Minnesota city. Uh, it's not a, it's not a strange place. It's a very, you know, this ubiquitous development pattern that we have in North America, you see it in Lafayette. I mean, this is it. So yeah, when you're looking at them, you're looking at you, you're looking at largely your city and the dynamics of your city. So yeah, it's a really compelling story. And last week you finished up the week on Friday with an article called is strong towns, my tribe, which I think was very helpful and especially for all the new people who might have been joining us that week Um, because as you pointed out a lot of people when they first encounter strong towns um, 
if you're of a certain type of person, you might immediately start looking for, as you said, um, your buzzwords, endorsements, network of alliances, um, anything that could tell you that Strong Towns is, um, as you said, my tribe and is, you know, going to line up with all of my personal beliefs and my values. And, you know, you might visit our mission page and see whether any of those things are present. But as your article pointed out, um, that's not really what we're about and we're not going to fit into anybody's neat box. But we hope that that's actually a reason for a lot of people to be interested in our in our work and find common ground, um, even if they may have different beliefs on other things. Yeah, I was chatting with my wife about this Um she, uh, I said, you know, there's, there's these people that have come to our site and they, they want to know, you know, are you liberal or are you conservative? Uh, mm-hmm. what's the hidden agenda here? And she said, you know, I, I, I do that. She's a news reporter. She goes, I, I do that. When I get something and I don't know the organization, I will look and see like, who are, who are they funded by? Yeah. Uh, you know, who are their backers? Who is, you know, and she, she does a lot of environmental reporting. So, you know, you'll get uh, climate change things, for example, and she'll say, you know, are these funded by oil companies or companies related to oil companies? Are these funded by, you know, advocacy groups that are getting, you know, government grants to do research? And it just yeah. it, it helps to understand, like, their frame of view. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not I mean, <laughs> we are not that we get, uh, you know, I finished the budget for 2017 uh, we are projecting like all of our revenue essentially coming from members, uh, people who support our message, who, who go to our website and, and donate to us, which it's, it's huge. It's, a, it's the only reason we're really here. Uh, mm-hmm. and then event, uh, when, when you, we get asked to come in and speak and be part of events, uh, and the revenue we raise from that. So, you know, it's, it's an odd business model. And I think it does confuse people because, you know, like today I shared this thing on Facebook. Someone had sent to me laughing uh, because they had shared one of our articles and people were reacting to it by saying, you know, who are these people? Here, I'll read one of the quotes. Um, After reading a few posts, I wondered, wait a minute, what's the agenda here? What are they selling me? I haven't gone on a spree like this in a while. Is there a timeshare pitch at the end? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one, the person said, the website is way too clean and professional. It makes me really suspicious. As well, but the content is good and dates back seven years. I find myself agreeing with most of what they write. I, yeah, I, I got to think that the motivation behind that is where are all the ads? How yeah, are these funded? So, so if you're not funded by some like evil corporation or special interest and you're not getting ads, like how, what, what, you know, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. our whole movement, I mean, everything we're, we're trying to do is predicated on the notion that we want people to share our message with other people. And that's it. That it. People say, like, what can I do to help you? And I'm like, share a message, share a message, share a message. If you really are and passionate about it, member. come and become a member and, and donate to us and help us. But if, if, if that's a bar you can't cross, at least share our stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the big obstacles to sharing our stuff is that people are not, you know, especially with the last election we've had and, and the fallout sense, you know, we, people are very tribal. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to share something that will come back to bite me in, 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 because it's not in my tribe, you know, the, the worst thing I can do is share something. And then, you know, three months later have one of my tribe members come back and say, I thought you liked, you know, this, this group, you know, they're not of our tribe. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, we're, we're trying to break through that, break, go around that, which is really tough. Yeah, especially since so many people and so many uh, news outlets and blogs are so uh, partisan these days that it's sort of for a minute, it's like does not compute. How is this organization not partisan? Everything is partisan now. Right. So, well, and I'm so not, you know, trying to be in a different space. I think it's important too not to just, you know, completely denigrate the idea of a of a political tribe. I mean, I, I'm. I'm not a I'm not a partisan person, and I really dislike the way that a lot of our conversation has become way too polarizing and partisan. Um, that having been said, there's a reason why we have you know partisan politics. It, it, it is impossible. I mean, I'm a well-read person. It is impossible for me to know everything about every issue <laughs> that you know is going to come before a, a, a Congress and you know, be debated at the national level. And so what political affiliations do is they allow you to essentially, uh, you know, have someone vet those things for you. Like, look, I generally agree with this party on issue ABC. There's issue DEF and the people I generally agree with also think this way on DEF. So that's a good signal to me that, you know, despite my ignorance on it, I'm probably good with, good with you know, that. And I, I get that. I mean, I totally get that. Um, it does have some downside, obviously, because people get partisan and they stop thinking and for themselves and the nuance is lost. Uh, and, you know, we can be manipulated by partisan messages, uh, you know, but at Strong Towns, we're trying to, in a sense, not be above that, but maybe go around it or break through it. Um, and that's what I, I, I hope people will grasp with that post. So today you kind of continued along the topic of poor cities and uh, you were talking about Flint, Michigan in an article called Reinventing Poor Cities at Scale. Um, and this is a topic that you wrote about before, uh, like a kind of a creative solution for a more affordable pipe replacement in Flint. What made you, um, what made you want to write about that today? It's interesting. I, I can't remember who I chatted with last week, but um, it was kind of like, you know, I know what you're doing, Chuck. And I, I, I thought about it because I sometimes, you know, I get on like a roll with what I'm writing and I, I don't maybe like have a grand strategy. But they pointed this out and I thought, well, maybe that is what I'm doing. And basically what they said is you're looking at the me, meaning me, Chuck. I'm looking at the uh, this big pot of money. And I'm saying, what's the, what's the weakest link in getting that through? And I, I really think the weakest link right now is the, f the fact that, uh, you know, I, I think largely the, the, the president-elect, uh, you know, President Trump uh, wants this huge infrastructure surge. Uh, Republicans are, you know, amicable, seem amicable to that at the federal level. Uh, some are going to be concerned about the price tag, but most seem amicable. And Democrats have largely been pushing for a big infrastructure surge for years. And so it seems like there's, you know, inevitable, like there's nothing that can stop this. And we talked about this last week on, on Strong Talk, like, you know, this seems inevitable. But I, I do feel like the, the weak link in there is, is, is the one that deals with places like the, the problem in Lafayette and the, you know, the way you invest in poor neighborhoods and places like Flint, where you know, for years now, 
there's been this argument that we have this moral obligation to go in and replace all the pipe and flint and make it good because, you know, poor people. And this is part of me like I get that. Like, you know, I understand the desire to do that and I understand why uh, maybe that's a moral thing to do. But the question gets down to, you know, is this the best way to do it? And in, in light of the conversation with Lafayette and the fact that, you know, we have to do this at scale, like there's going to be a lot more places failing uh, and having, you know, their infrastructure go bad than just uh, Flint. Um, how are we going to do this, you know, in poor places across the country? And, you know, the way we do it is actually to step out of our, our early 1900s conventions of how we deliver water and actually talk about what a modern water system looks like. And so I, I try to do that, and I, I, I try to lay out, you know, here's why you have the water system you have, and here's how we can do it differently at, you know, 20, 10%, 20% of the cost uh, of what that current system is. So you mentioned strong talk, and I can't remember if we talked about that last week, but I think we should uh, we should recap since we've now done one successful strong talk episode. Um, well, you have to put successful in air quotes because I, I did get like dropped. Okay, yeah. Your problem. You got to <laughs> fix that, Chuck. That's all on you. It's but, so weird because we do hangouts here like all the time. And it must I never be something get... to do with the fact that we're broadcasting. I mean, it's so weird. I don't get it. But yeah, I kind of wish there was something better than Google Hangouts because we've had a lot of problems with it before when we're trying to do a, a live broadcast. Yeah. So go ahead and explain Strong Talk. So Strong Talk is a new uh, new live video series that we're going to try to do every Friday. Um, last week we did it at 12 p.m. Um, we're, we'll probably have to move it around a little bit based on people's schedules, but um, we're going to try to have a couple Strong Town staff like me and Chuck, plus um, board members and or Strong Towns members. Uh, and we'll kind of just have a roundtable discussion about a current issue or a topic that we've been covering on our website. So last week we talked about infrastructure and the quote-unquote big pot of money. And uh, yeah, it was me, Chuck, and Andrew Burleson, who's uh, one of our board members. Yeah, what do you think of that so far, Chuck? That was fun. I, I, I was frustrated, like you said, about the technology and get, oh, for some reason yeah. getting dropped off the call like multiple times. Luckily, um, for, we held down the fort. <laughs> yeah, you guys were awesome. For, for podcast listeners, the, the idea here too is that we'd like to turn this into another podcast stream. Uh, and so we'd like to be able to deliver you once a week a pretty uh, kind of deep, uh, you know, a deep dive in a sense into – uh, some of these topics more than what you would get in a in a post and more than what you are, are getting in other places uh, and and have it not be an interview kind of format but be a a conversation and i yeah, ideally the podcast recording aspect last week also failed so. yeah yeah we 'll work on that one i ideally i 'd like to uh you know i 'd like to get some disagreement um, you know i I know we are in many ways like like minded people. And, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you get Andrew and I on the phone, you've got two pretty, uh, pretty strong personalities, um, yeah. you know, but I would, I would really like to, at some point, uh, have, uh, be able to highlight some of the, you know, places where we don't necessarily all agree and be able to like delve into that a little bit and maybe even reach some, 
deeper understanding along the way. That, that, that would be my goal over time. Yeah, and we also want to have our members uh, on this, on this uh, podcast and on the video. So um, I'll include a link to the form to um, sign up to participate um, in the show notes. And even if you're not comfortable participating in something like that, we still want your ideas for topics too. So there's an opportunity to submit those because we want this to be interactive um, and we'd love to have you guys on the show. Yeah, we're, we're approaching 2,000 members. And the, the crazy thing about it is we have some really like a smart, high-level, thoughtful people uh, in our, you know, not only in our audience, but in our membership. And I would love to be able to, you know, highlight a lot of those people and mm -hmm. have them be part of the conversation. Because every time I get out on the road and, and I'm able to speak in places, I, I learn so much from our members and from the people that I meet. And I, I really think it would be a, a blessing in many ways to be able to share, you know, those skills with, with, with everybody else. So yeah, if, if this sounds, if this format sounds like it would be interesting to you and you have some expertise in an area or something you would like to chat about, uh, go fill out that form that Rachel will put on the site and, uh, we'll put you in the rotation. And when we get to something that would align well with, with you, uh, we will give you a call and see if we can work it out. Yeah, and you know, we have so many members at this point that I've been here for about a year and a half. I think I have a good store of probably maybe like 40 to 50 members who, when they email me, I know who they are. Um, we've talked before. I'm familiar with their background. But there are so many other people that um, I'll get an email out of the blue like, hey, I wrote this article. Are you interested in it? Oh, by the way, I've been a member for like four years. I know. And I'm, I'm a little embarrassed that I don't know them, but at the same time, you know, with how many people we have, it's understandable that we wouldn't know everyone personally. But it's it's so great to have those people come out of the woodwork who have kind of been reading, maybe commenting, but haven't been, you know, submitting articles or super active on Slack or anything. Like if if Strong Talk is a way for you to jump in and participate, we'd love to have you. And also uh – there was a couple of podcasts that I've been on in the last couple of weeks. I know, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I know we had a cancellation last week and then my schedule with writing didn't allow me to, uh, to do a second podcast last week. Like we had, I think we had promised, um, or I had promised, uh, that being said, I did record like in the last month I've recorded three podcasts on other people's shows. And yeah, there's uh, you were on the AI podcast. Yeah. The Robert Stark podcast, and just today, uh, the Parksify podcast uh, just released that interview with you. So, yeah, I'll include links to those, too, if you guys haven't gotten enough Strong Towns in the last week. Uh, there's three interviews for you to absorb and enjoy. Well, that AI podcast was was strange um, because it was just not a – I was on with Lynn Richards. Huh. Yeah. the uh, She's the, the president of CNU, and – I don't know. Do you listen to that one? I listened to the start of it. Uh, it was a lot about like robots and <laughs> autonomous cars and stuff. I mean, obviously it's called the AI podcast, but uh, uh, departure from our usual topics, perhaps. Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt, you know, there were times when I felt like the Luddite in this thing, even though I'm, I'm, I'm very much like not anti-technology. I just don't like reflexively think it's going to save everything. Um, mm -hmm. so I felt kind of like the Luddite at times, like I was the, uh, you know, the knuckle dragger here, like not, um, you know, uh, not with the, with the program, but I, I think it, I think it went out okay. And 
it, you know, it seemed like towards the end I was influencing the, uh, the direction of the conversation. So yeah, I was happy. Um, this latest one is the one that people should really listen to though. The, uh, the Parksify one. Yeah, that one sounded great. Are those guys Canadian though? Cause as soon as I started listening, I was like, these guys sound like Canadians. To me. Oh, did I lapse into my Minnesota? See when I'm, when I'm with Canadians, I start talking Minnesotan again. I start yeah. you know, going to all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, I love Canadian accents. They just, they stand out to me now. Well, these guys had, it, you know, there, there are times when people interview you and you just sound good. Like you, 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 they ask the right questions. You get to say the things you want to say. It comes out well. Their follow-ups are great. It's intelligent. This is, this is one of those interviews. I was really happy when I got done with how it turned out. So I'm excited to hear it. Good. I want to take a minute to welcome our newest Strong Towns members who joined us last week. Michelle Martinez from Santa Ana, California. Nathaniel Archer from Worthington, Ohio. Skyra Rideau from Lafayette, Louisiana. Pamela Peterson from Bloomfield, New Jersey. Shannon Graham from Victoria, British Columbia. Stephen Brayton from Jacksonville, Florida. Sarah Hanley from St. Louis, Missouri. And Candace Evans from Dallas, Texas. Thanks to everyone who is a member of Strong Towns, and welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. On that note, I want to mention that our Summit tickets, which have previously been only available to members, are now available to the public starting today. Um, they're only $125, and if you become a member, uh, they are only $100. You'll get that discount code in your email if you sign up. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have people at the summit. We still have space for plenty more people to join us. It is March 30th through April 1st in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, yeah, I'm really excited. We've been working very hard uh, and extensively to plan it. And it's going to be it's going to be a good group of people and a good, uh, good conversation and presentations. It's going to be great. I, I, I want to talk about the agenda at some point in the future, but I, I think it's important. Yeah, we're to... still deciding on that. Yeah. I mean, the stuff we've got lined up is, is really great. Uh, I, I do want people to know, you know, we have a, the, the room that we have reserved and the format that we're using means we have a limited capacity. Uh, we basically yes. can have 200 people and we've got 30 of those reserved for like the people are participating and a staff and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, sponsors and what have you. So of the 170 remaining, essentially like half are already gone. Mm -hmm. I know it's a pretty common thing for people to wait to like the last couple of weeks before the, the, you know, what they're going to, to buy their tickets, not going to work this time. Uh, there's a finite capacity. So if you're someone who wants to go, uh, you got to get in and get your ticket now because they're, they're not going to be available when we get to that middle of March period of time. Yeah. It also looks like the Tulsa airport is not like the biggest, most elaborate airport in the world. So if you're planning to fly, you'll probably want to get your plane tickets ahead of time so that you can get, you know, the right schedule you want and everything like that. Good point. Are you yeah, planning I mean, to fly? I'd love to have you. I am planning to fly as well. I've never been to Oklahoma. So this is, this is exciting. And I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of our members and readers there. Word has it I'm going to be in Ohio the day before. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I accidentally said that one of the Tulsa events was going to be at Ohio State University. When in fact, it's obviously at Oklahoma State University. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, a running O states, you know, one of a running doing? inside joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing a curbside chat uh, before 
So mm-hmm. we are trying to involve the the broader Tulsa area a little bit with this uh, with this conversation, and then uh, delve deeply uh, with our you know membership and, and actively involved people. So yeah, it's going to be fun, and I'll be at Oklahoma State University uh, that Thursday night before we kick everything off. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a lot that we talked about today, and we'll include links to all the different opportunities we mentioned. We hope you will join us for one or more of those. Uh, all right, everyone, have a great week, and we will have a new podcast for you this Thursday for sure. <laughs> right? Are you positive? I thought you recorded one like earlier this week, maybe. Uh, you know, yesterday I was, uh, I had like all these things I was going to do. And then I wound up spending like an hour and a half chatting with you just about like philosophy. And then that that did take a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah. And then I sat down to actually like do my, the writing uh, that I needed to do. And John, um, our board member called and I was on the phone with him for almost two hours. And doesn't that always happen when you talk to John? (laughs) One time I was, one time I had a three hour, 20 minute phone conversation with John and my wife said, you know, you, you don't talk to me that long. Um, yeah, that's like the type of conversation you have with your high school girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, we, um, I mean, we have a lot, I, I learn a lot chatting with him and I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mutual thing. So, you know, we really help each other think through things, but it's, um, you know, it doesn't work well when you're trying to write because I, what I, what happens is then I wind up starting my writing at like 1030 at night and at oh, two in the yeah. morning I'm finishing up and, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to start the week off differently. So the, the short answer is no, I didn't record a podcast yet, uh, but I will do Don't that. We have some interviews coming up this week. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. All right. We'll hopefully have a podcast for you guys. All right. Take care, everyone, and have a great week. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.